This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello and welcome to Start Your Week. I'm Jacob Jarvis, and here with me to lay out the week ahead is the silkiest voice in podcasting, <laughs> Alex Andreu. I feel when when you call me the silkiest voice in podcasting <laughs> at six o'clock on a Monday morning, you're setting me up for a fall. <laughs> you know, start the week off well, and then unfortunately it may be only downhill from here, but I hope not. <laughs> okay. Strikes have dominated the headlines, and it doesn't look like things are going to let up anytime soon. There are nurses walkouts this week, and they've said that next month they could have another demonstration that might be twice as big as this one. Why can't the government get this sorted out? And is this just a point of pride for Sunak in not wanting to back down? Yeah, so nurses have two-day walkout this week. Civil servants also announced a strike by all 100,000 PCS members. Teachers uh, are about to announce this week on whether they will take industrial action. The word is that they will. So this is appearing to speed up rather than slow down. Um, why can't the government get it sorted? Um, they went into it with no exit strategy, believing that people would turn against people striking. And when that didn't happen, time began to lapse, mm. uh, especially with the holiday period in between. And they're now in a situation where if they make a deal, everyone will say, well, why the hell didn't you do that? last November or October, save the country all this trouble, mm. save the economy all these losses. And if they do continue uh, to be at war with the various unions, people will blame them for the situation continuing. So they're in a really bad pickle and it's entirely of their own making. You said the government were hoping that people would turn on the strikers. I thought that the impact of the walkouts actually happening might make that a reality, but the majority of people are still behind them. Do you think the public are in this in this for the long haul when it comes to supporting those walking out? Well, like I've said a couple of times before, these strikes are very, very different to the sort of historical paradigms that the Conservatives might be looking at. These are not small mining communities confined both geographically and in terms of sector, um, where very, very few people will personally know a miner when, when mm. that was going on. You know, this is nurses and doctors and barristers and binmen and teachers and uh, civil servants and border officials and porters and bus drivers and train workers. You know, every family will include, especially in an extended family, will include a couple of these professions. And they know these folks are not loons and they know that they're really struggling financially. And so uh, I think that's why the, the sentiment that the government was banking on just hasn't happened. And even if it does in a small way, if I were the government looking at the figures, I'd be really worried because even where you show a slight uh, public uh, resentment towards the strikers, they still blame the government. 
So if you look at some polling that was out at the end of last week, the gap between Labour and the Conservatives is now increasing again. There is a trend of it increasing again. And that is not what they want to see. Because remember, they took this gamble, they manufactured this war with the union in order to burnish their economic credentials, in order to say, look how responsible we are with money. We're picking fights on your behalf. And it's not working out that way. It's it's looking like uh, economic recklessness instead. Anti-strike legislation is going to be pushed through the Commons this week. Uh, is that not just asking for trouble, particularly when it could get blocked in the Lords anyway? No, of course it is. If sentiment doesn't turn against workers, then introducing new laws will just look like the government is basically heating the situation up instead of taking heat out of it. And the public again will blame them. It's also a huge tactical risk. I mean, even if you look at this as some sort of war, um, a a theory to which I never subscribed, because it seems to me the weirdest person for a government to pick a fight with the people on whom it depends for delivery of its own program. If anyone else did it in an industrial context, you'd think they're nuts. Um, But anyway, that was their strategy. Even if you look at it on that basis. The biggest strategic mistake you can make is to take action which basically unites all the people on the other side. By doing this, the government, by introducing this anti-strike legislation, it unites every single union into a common cause that is resisting this legislation. it's, It's just astonishingly dumb whichever way you look at it. On Sunak wanting to get tough, there's the public order bill going through the Lords, but there's been a government amendment proposed for this. What is that going to be and is it going to happen? So they want to give um, police new powers to arrest people if they think they are intending to disrupt, okay? Sounds a little bit thought-crimey. Yeah, The police do have such powers in other areas. You know, they are charged with stopping the commission of a crime if they're reasonably certain that a crime is about to be committed, obviously. But if you add that to the recent legislation about what counts as disruption, which talks about levels of noise, which talks about going equipped, you know, having like superglue in your pocket, for whatever reason. Mm. The combination is quite worrying. So you had Matthew Scott this morning, Monday, on the Today program. He's a Conservative Police Commissioner for Kent. Um, And he was saying that, for instance, looking at Just Stop Oil protesters, that they could arrest them because they would look at separate incidents as a campaign and they would take the previous tactics of a group um, under consideration, and th- and he referred specifically to the idea of going equipped. That means that certain groups will basically be completely unable to protest, even peacefully, even without causing disruption, because it means that you know the police will always be able to say, well, previously when it wasn't unlawful, you did something that was disruptive. And we're going to take that as a sort of proof 
that you intend to do something that isn't lawful now. It's really quite a, a dangerous thin end of the wedge, I think. Yeah, it's quite scary to think, you know, just... Uh... It sounds like based on kind of what you're wearing, is this just going to be, you know, if someone yep. looks like a bit of a, a punk, let's say, they can just uh, go, nah, don't, mm. really, don't really fancy them, which is quite a, quite a strange place to be at. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. What else is happening in Westminster this week? Are we about to see a clash between Westminster and Holyrood? My sense is that this week is a little bit soon, um, but I may be wrong. It might be at the tail end of this week that the government announces they've had an assessment of the legislation in the Scottish um, Parliament. This is to do with gender recognition. Mm. Um, but but my guess is that this will be next week. Sunak is desperately trying to play it down to say that oh this is completely standard it is what we do with every bit of legislation we look at whether it will affect um you know areas outside scotland um but the noises that have been coming out of number 10 are that they're gearing up to stop this mm. and it would be the first time that this has happened right um so it's no small thing and there's nothing ordinary about it and I think it might be a mistake. I think even the people who care passionately about all of these things, these, these culture war things if effectively, would still want the government to be concentrating on other things um, mm -hmm. at a time like now. Uh, and so I think it's a strategic error. Sunak is also facing internal party battles, seeing more Brexit advice brewing in his camp. Uh, David Davis and Robert Buckland are reportedly teaming up to ask for detail on the proposed EU laws bonfire. Are they going to get any of that? Um, I mean, they may not get it this week, but at, at some point he will have to provide details, right? He can't not forever. Um, I think this is one of the most significant rebellions that Sunak faces, actually. Because he's an economic hawk, so he wants this to go away. Mm. He wants the legislation to go through because he thinks it will allow him to liberalize several things, um, but he wants it to happen in a moderated way because he won't want to cause another market shock. And if, if the plan goes through as it currently stands, it will cause a huge market shock. I was listening to, uh, I think, someone from the CBI talking about it last week. And she was saying that it effectively, by government saying, oh, we're just going to sunset everything at the same time, it would mean that every single business would have to look across a huge swathe of legislation, a huge area of regulation, to know whether anything has happened that affects them. So it's basically farming out what the government should be doing in a targeted way to business. 
I think that is hugely dangerous. And I think Sunak is trying to avoid it, trying to go for slightly more targeted sunsetting, mm. but he's got factions sort of in the backbenches of his party, one of which wants him to do that, and the other, slightly larger one of which, wants him to press ahead. On other Brexit complexities, there's going to be talks on the NI protocol this week. Do you think we'll see any movement? I think we might. Sunak has a, a video call with Maros Sefcovic today, Monday, I think uh, in the late morning. And expectations are that uh, UK and EU negotiators at a technical level, so the sort of lower down people who actually hammer out the text of an agreement, could enter the tunnel stage. That's what it's called when basically you goes into negotiations and they stop briefing the press, certainly later this week. If they enter the tunnel today, there might even be an announcement by the end of this week, but it's more likely to be next week. So it all hangs on the meeting between James Cleverly and Maris Sefcovic today. Sorry, I think I might have said it was Sunak. My mistake. It's it's uh, the Foreign Secretary, Cleverly, who's uh, speaking to him. Turning to Labour, Starmer has seemed a little bit bolder in the last week, slamming the RG and taking a stance on the NHS that some of his party might dislike. Uh is he starting to look like you know the PM in waiting? And what have you thought of his NHS remarks? His speech in Belfast was the best I've seen from him. Um, it was uh, not only authoritative in terms of tone and content. Um, I thought it was politically very, very shrewd because not only is he looking prime ministerial, but he's making things much harder for Sunak by being extremely reasonable, basically. He's saying to Sunak, now is the time for you to pick that battle with your uh, nutty backbenchers. Do it, and I will provide you with the votes you need in the House to pass any legislation um, for the protocol. That creates a massive problem for Sunak, because it means that if there is a deal, he kind of has to do it, which then creates a massive fissure between the front and back benches in his own party. And as we know, and as we have seen from the back, Tory backbenchers are not beyond taking revenge on the government on other issues. So it's not like he can pass any uh, uh, you know, legislation needed for the uh, protocol, and then that'll be that. They will scupper they will scupper some other thing that he's trying to do. Uh, it's always what happens. It's historically what has happened the last few years. And so I think that's a big, big problem for him. And, you know, Starmer has set it up rather beautifully. Now, on the NHS stuff, um, I don't like it. I mean, um, you know, I don't like a lot of what Starmer is saying these days. But I do effectively... Um, understand why he's doing it and saying it. And I have to say, I dearly wish the voting public were very close to my political positions. Mm. But, you know, if if the Brexit referendum in the last <laughs> few years have taught us anything, is that they're not. And looking at the polling, um, whatever Starmer is doing, he seems to be doing it right. So what you have today is, you know, the Daily Mail splashing on criticisms from trade unions and 
professional bodies of Labour and Keir Starmer proposing those NHS reforms, well, let me tell you, um, Labour will be delighted to be on the front of the Mail and the Telegraph as having, you know, big fight with trade unions because it's their weakness. Um, and so uh, I'm afraid as distasteful as I find it, I think it will be quite helpful in the long run. On a final problem for the UK government, how is it going to react to the execution of British-Iranian Alireza Akbari? Sunak has called it a callous and cowardly act, but what action will he actually take? I don't know that there is much they can do right now. You know, while the situation in Ukraine persists, I think globally, the West cannot afford another front, basically. It's as plain and awful like that. And I think Iran are one of the countries that are taking advantage of that to effectively clean house. Um, it, it's horrific, but I don't, I, I think they are right um, to not expect a huge reaction. Now, casting an eye to the United States, Joe Biden is in a sticky situation after more classified documents were found at his Delaware home. Alex, what do we know about the content of these documents and what ramifications are there going to be for this? Well, I mean, we know very, very little is the answer because Biden himself says he doesn't know what's in the recovered papers. There's been some reports uh, in New York Times and on CNN that they are something to do with briefing materials on countries including Ukraine, Iran, um, even the UK, from the time when Mr. Biden was um, vice president. But it's, I mean, it's too early to know how serious this is, basically. If not in the form of formal punishments, in the, even if these documents, as you say, aren't as serious as they might be, has Biden simply created an issue by emboldening Donald Trump here? Yes. Uh, I mean, the, the one person this is terrific news for is Donald Trump because it lets him off the hook, basically. He can go, look, everyone is at it. Like you say, I don't think there will be any um, serious repercussions on this because I think a prosecutor would have to prove intent, you know, that, that he knowingly removed the file, that he knew that it's all very difficult. And there's a policy of not um, going after sitting presidents unless they're impeached. So um, it, it's a reputational damage that we're looking at here. And the reputational damage, I think, is quite big. On a final couple of world news points, China reported 60,000 COVID deaths and then hastily revised this number to 37. Uh, what is the state of the outbreak there and what does it mean for the rest of the world? I mean, from the few reports we're getting out and from what I'm hearing from friends uh, who still have family in China, it's really bad. Those figures, even the initial sort of 59,900 that was reported for the month, basically, from the second week of December to the second week of January. Even those are only um, deaths recorded at medical facilities. Mm. So you'd have to think they include many, many thousands more who are dying at home or in care homes or, you know, mm. if you think back to the situation in the UK and sort of multiply that 
uh, times 10, I, I, I think we're looking at really, really very large numbers. And it's, I mean, it's awful to see. Russia launched two waves of missile attacks on Ukraine over the weekend. What's the state of the invasion at the moment? Um, this is what we will see again and again. I think we will see a sort of two steps forward by Ukraine, one step back. And I think the reason for that is that Russia is effectively running out of ammunition and equipment. And so I think the pattern seems to me, obviously I'm not an expert, but it seems to me the pattern is for them to do very concentrated strikes every two weeks or so, so that at least they cause a sort of publicity splash uh, and they look as if they're being successful. And yes, these strikes by Russia have been largely in line with their objectives. But, you know, the previous two weeks, they were losing ground everywhere. And before that, there was another strike that was relatively successful from the point of view of Russia. But for the previous month, they had lost huge amounts of ground. And that's, I think, what we're going to see. Um, because it's effectively Putin playing to a home audience to say, look, look, we, we've had a big success. Is there anything else you're looking out for this week that listeners should keep an eye on? Um, I mean, the, the Northern Ireland Protocol stuff will be very, very um, uh, interesting. I think also online harms is about to come to a head in Parliament. So I would look at that um, very closely. Alex, thank you for getting up early to join me today. You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. I think we should keep meeting like this. <laughs> we will. Well, uh, if listeners enjoyed it, they should tune in next Monday because maybe uh, maybe we will again. <laughs> <laughs> that was Start Your Week out every Monday morning from the bunker. We uh, we love starting your week and it's your support that helps us to do that. You can back us on Patreon for as little as £3 a month and you'll get episodes early and ad-free as well as a shout out here on Start Your Week. On that note, here is Alex with today's Roll Call of Gratitude. A big blue Monday cuddle to Victoria Parkinson, Mark, Alan O'Gorman, David Jones and Charlie Stevenson. That was Start Your Week from the Bunker. Tune in again next Monday. The Bunker was presented by Jacob Jarvis with Alex Andrei. Producers are Jack Gerbertson and Alex Reese, with assistant production from Kasia Tomashevi. Audio productions from me, Robin Lieber, lead producer is Jacob Jarvis, police editor Andrew Harrison, and the theme music is by Kenny Dickinson. The Bunker is a Podmasters production. <laughs>